Hello, my vibrant friend. I am very happy to introduce you today to Dr. Carolina Sweldo, who is a, a double board certified OBGYN and infertility specialist in Fresno, California, and also has a great presence on Instagram um, teaching about everything that has to do with infertility. So uh, welcome, Dr. Sweldo. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I I heard a statistic somewhere that 40% of Americans consume their health information on social media. So I said, okay, if that's where the people are, that's where I need to be. So <laughs> I'm very, yeah, yeah, very active there. Awesome. Well, we wanted to talk because this is a weight loss podcast. We wanted to talk about a little bit about weight loss and infertility. And so why does this come up in infertility? Yeah. So I think what's really interesting is that this is something that we just started to look at and really sort of take stock in maybe in the last sort of seven to 10 years, I would say. So it's, it's relatively a new focus for, for our field. And it really came about sort of twofold one, because we saw statistics coming out of the CDC saying that over a third of American adults are considered obese as defined by a BMI over 30. And so we knew that if a third of Americans were obese, we were going to be seeing them in our clinics. And number two is as, as those BMIs continue to rise, we began to just notice anecdotally in our own experiences that the outcomes were not as good. Mm -hmm. And so that's really, I think, where we realized there was a need for studies. There was a need for the literature to tell us, okay, what exactly is the impact of weight on reproduction? And I would say, particularly out of UCSF, not too far where I'm from, they've done a lot of work in this, but nationally we're seeing more and more data come out um, talking about the impact of weight on reproduction. So I think a lot of people are familiar with the statistic about obesity. I don't think people have a clear handle on how obesity affects reproduction. So it does impact both partners, both male and female, mm. and it can do it in a number of ways. So we'll start with the guys because there's um, less on this, but we know that the fatty tissue has an enzyme that makes estrogen. And okay. so estrogen in the male brain is going to decrease sperm production, excuse me, it's going to de decrease testosterone production in the okay. testicle. And as a consequence of that decreased sperm production, so low testosterone, low sperm parameters. So we can see men who are obese present with erectile dysfunction, present with infertility due to low sperm parameters. And a lot of it has to do with this mechanism of estrogen and its role in that male brain uh, testicle access. Okay. Now on the female side, it can work a couple of different ways. And I think it's not that the men are more limited. It's just that we don't know enough yet to be able sure. to quote patients. But we do, um, before, you go, before you go on, do, so we have actually seen, I mean, this is a, an idea looking at this hormone axis, but you actually have seen this, that yeah. oh, yes. higher weights have the lower sperm counts and the rectus others. Okay. Thank you. Correct. Correct. That is absolutely have, has been demonstrated. Um, okay. And then when you're looking at females, so again, fatty tissue, it contains an enzyme that makes estrogen. And so that estrogen interferes in the communication between the brain and the ovaries. So the way the, the analogy I always give is imagine two people having a conversation in a quiet office and they can hear each other very clearly, very crisply. And now imagine those same two people trying to have a conversation in a conference room that's full of chatter. 
And so that circulating estrogen being produced by the fatty tissue is that chatter, right? And so what you see is a higher rate of irregular cycles or even cessation of periods in women who are increasingly obese because of that estrogen influence. Does that make sense so far? Yes. Yep. Thanks. Perfect. And then with regards to IVF specifically, we have looked at outcomes from IVF. And I think here the data is a little bit more conflicted. Um, Mm -hmm. We did see initially there was a very clear trend towards lower egg quality and lower reproductive, lower uh, live birth rates in the women who were obese. Most recently, now just a couple months ago in October of 22, we saw that there was some studies coming out that maybe that wasn't so much the case. However, we do know that as women increase in size, the ovaries, um, they elevate in the abdomen. So there's an increase in abdominal pressure due to the uh, fatty tissue and that elevates the ovaries. So when we're going in to do a retrieval for those patients, it can sometimes be technically more challenging because the ovaries are not as easily accessible. What we also know is that as far as pregnancy is concerned, we do know that women who are obese have worse reproductive outcomes. So they have an increased risk for miscarriage and they have an increased risk for pregnancy complications. So even if the IVF outcomes themselves don't pan out, we know that the pregnancy outcomes do. And so regardless, weight is gonna be super important as one of the components we talk about when we're talking about management and treatment in a patient or a couple who's coming in to see us. Okay. If you have women who are overweight Um, out of the normal range, but still are having regular periods. Does that group also deal with infertility some, or is that? They can, absolutely they can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things I was reading was that um, you don't have to get to a normal weight to get, to find some gains in fertility, right? It's not a a get back down to normal. All or none, right, right, right. So, So there's kind of two scenarios that you can look at. It just depends which one would apply to the patient. Um, so one scenario is somebody who was maybe thinner before and due to circumstances, situations, what, whatever the, the trigger may be has put on significant weight. And so what I talk about with that particular patient is trying to get back to that, that quote unquote normal weight they had before, because that normal weight may, may still be overweight as defined by BMI, but an overweight BMI does not qualify for the same risks for fertility that an obese BMI does. That's based on the literature. So really talking about just trying to get back to that weight where they're at before, that should be that their goal um, in working with someone. And then the, the other sort of scenario is somebody who struggled with weight their whole life. And and that is quite a common presentation, particularly in patients who have PCOS. We know that PCOS has a large metabolic component to it. And so for patients who have struggled their whole life, I really want to encourage them to actively seek out resources. So a lot of times, oh, I know what to do. I know, right. So most of us know what to do, but it's about implementation, about understanding and execution, right? So if you understand your body, you understand what you're putting into it and and putting out of it, input and output, and then um, that accountability of working with someone and having to meet benchmarks and goals and deadlines. I think that's hugely important in the success of those patients who have struggled, because I think a lot of it is education and execution. So those patients, there's not necessarily a number goal. It's really, we need to 
actively target lifestyle changes that are going to affect or improve lasting change. Now, when I'm counseling patients about their weight with regards to fertility, a huge piece that factors into that discussion is age. If the patient is under the age of 35, I'm much more aggressive about them focusing, you know, hitting a pause on the fertility, aggressively focusing on their lifestyle over a six to 12 month period. And then if they're able to optimize that coming back and starting treatments at that time, because in women who are under 35, we have the luxury of time, right? We have the luxury of being able to hit pause, take that time to really prioritize. Because if you're going through fertility treatments, they can be quite stressful. And when you're going through weight loss or making major changes to your lifestyle, that can also be stressful. So you try not to compound the two. So if they're under 35, I really have them focus on lifestyle first. And then we shift gears and we start talking about treatment. And women who are over 35, because time and age is such a big factor, we don't really have that luxury. So it's really something that we work on in terms of risk benefit time frame. If we're going to do something, we have a very concrete goal or concrete timeline of how long they're going to take a break from treatment. So it's a, it's a lot more mm, tailored and not necessarily as aggressive in the lifestyle department, simply because we just don't have the time. Okay. I want to just back up a little bit for our listeners that um, PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome. So, so if you aren't familiar with it, that's what we were talking about. And, um, but the, and then the other, I do have a question for you. So if in other diseases like type two diabetes and high blood pressure, sometimes our weight loss goal is like five to 10%, especially for that person who's been um, struggling with weight issues their whole life. And that will make a big difference in their health outcomes. Is there a smaller target goal that helps with this? Or is it really just to, with fertility or, or should people really think about the long, long haul getting to a, a normal weight or to a, a bigger goal? For fertility? Right. So that, no, I perfectly understand the question. So as far as numbers or statistics. Um, the one number that most of us handle is with regards to PCOS, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And what we see is that if those patients are obese, and if they are able to lose approximately 10% of their body weight, then we see a high number of them go back to having regular cycles. Oh. And it doesn't, it's not that it cures the PCOS, right? I always talk about, this is all sort of, um, integrative practices. So the weight loss has to be one component of the treatment, you know, supplements has to be another, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but a large percentage will go back to having regular cycles. Now that's not everyone. So some people will still need fertility treatment and that's fine, but that 10% is that number we handle as far as sort of what is the magic number? I don't think that there is one. What I will say is that reproductive health is an extension of general health. And so if your general health is bad, your reproductive health is going to be bad, right? Or certainly not optimized. Mm -hmm. And so if, you know, and this, the question I will ask patients, do you feel that you have made all the changes you can make that you are, you know, doing all the things that you can and that you are in your optimized best health? And if the answer to that is yes, great, then keep doing it. And we'll add in all these other things. 
But if the answer is no, then we actively want to be working on that piece, on that lifestyle component. And, you know, we focus a lot on weight because this is a weight loss podcast, but in that conversation, we're also talking about sleep. We're also talking about caffeine consumption. We're also talking about daily stress levels at work and what that looks like for them. What do they do for a living? Are they a night shift worker? You know, things like that. So, so we're really kind of trying to hone in on what are the correctable causes or I shouldn't say causes, correctable risk factors that they can change that would allow them to optimize fertility. Okay. Okay. And for people who have things that are structural or um, those kinds of issues, are you still looking, I mean, in that case, are you looking at weight loss just for overall health and better outcomes after pregnancy is achieved, or is that still a part of the fertility part, the weight loss? Does that so make if there's, right, so let's say the couple presents and the issue is male factor, or the issue is fibroids in the uterus, and that's going to require surgery to remove, et cetera. Sure. So when there is an obvious reason for in, the infertility that is on directly unrelated to weight, then that clearly needs to be addressed. However, because of the studies that showed, you know, lower egg quality, lower number of eggs mature at IVF, lower number of embryos available for transfer, increased risk of miscarriage, increased risk of pregnancy complications. So for all of those reasons, weight loss and lifestyle continue to form an important part of the, of the plan of the treatment plan when I'm counseling patients. Gotcha. Cause that whole group is still there kind of no matter what. Right. Those risk factors or, or those that impact to fertility and pregnancy is still present, regardless of what the underlying cause is. Okay. So do you end up with couples that it's a lot of times it's, you're working with both of them with their lifestyle to make it more healthy and. Yeah. So I would say more often than not, probably, probably eight to nine out of 10 couples that I see it's a, it's a two person problem. It's not, it's very unusual to find one partner is significantly overweight or underweight. And the other partner is not that I would say is the exception to the rule. Most of the time it is a two person problem. So I always, I always talk about infertility as a we problem, not a me problem. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, like that. <laughs> and, and so I would say that, you know, obesity and lifestyle goes hand in hand with that. If we're going to be optimizing this, um, this is something we're going to be doing as a team. This is a we problem, not a me problem. And so, you know, if the, if the wife is going to make changes to her diet or nutrition or what she's putting in her body, then we would want the partner to support her in that. Yeah. I love that. I'm a family doctor by training. So I, I always look at people out there with their family system. So I, yeah. 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 And it always impacts when one person, especially when one person wants to make a change. So yes, yes. Um, and I can't tell you how many times women have said to me, well, you know, I, I started really well, but I failed because I was basically cooking two dinners or my kids, I don't, I'm just making this up, but my kids yeah, love Oreos for dessert or so right. we had ice cream in the house because that's what they eat. And so I think the environment is hugely important. And I sure. think that's why if there is going to be a change, it should, you know, ideally be a whole unit change, a whole system change for the family. Right. Right. And especially when you're looking at better nutrition. Correct. For the whole family anyway, it's right? For so, everyone. Yes. You know, yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And not, and not always easy or welcome. <laughs> <from>. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you would want to let people know about weight loss and infertility at this time or? Yes, I do actually, because when people ask me, I always get the question, how can I better optimize my fertility? What can I do to improve my chances? Mm -hmm. And people may or may not want to hear about weight loss. They may have been told about it before. They may, um, they may not believe because my neighbor down the street is heavier than I am. And she was able to have three kids or, you know, my, my coworker, you know, he survives on whatever hamburgers and French fries, and he has, you know, seven kids or whatnot. So I think, I think it's always coming back to what is in my control and what is it not in my control? And what are the things that I can do to improve my reproductive health? Um, and really just sort of taking that ownership and taking that accountability because what, what's always sort of disappointing is when a year or two has gone by and then you're meeting with a fertility specialist and the very, very first thing they're going to talk to you about as well, how is your lifestyle and, you know, weight loss needs to be part of the, and this is something you could have started, you know, a year or two beforehand. Right. Oh, thanks for making that point. That's, that's really helpful. I think for listeners, um, and one of the things that I try to point out for my listeners is that exercise in and of itself is not very well proven for weight loss, but it does help with insulin resistance, which does get to be an issue for a lot of the people I work with. My understanding is that many people with fertility issues also have some issues with insulin resistance. So is, is exercise an important part of lifestyle for your clients? Definitely, definitely. And there's a physician, um, Dr. Ali Nowitzki, she talks about loving your body with movement. And I just love that concept because it's really not just about, you know, a chore to check off. It's really about honoring your body and loving yourself enough to choose an activity for 30 minutes, right? And, yeah. and whether that's, you know, you have an hour for lunch, you take your lunch and then you go walk for half an hour around your workspace or whatnot. Um, my hospital campus is really pretty and it's nice and big. So I do that, you know, at my lunch hour because before work and after work is just not doable for me just because of my, I have two littles at home and my work schedule doesn't allow. Um, so my lunch hour I have to take because my staff takes lunch. So I said, okay, how can I make this a productive lunch? Right. Um, but I love that concept of loving yourself with movement and really, you know, respecting yourself enough to put yourself first and, and make that a priority. Yeah, me too. Me too. And also finding, and like she says, finding something that you love to do, whether it's dance yes. or, you know, sometimes I'll even ask people like, what did you do when you were a little kid that you liked? And right. they'll, it'll turn out they, you know, played tennis or something yep. that, you know, it's like, well, have you ever thought about doing that again? Or yeah, you know, it should be something fun. And there are so many choices. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate everything that you've shared. And I know the people listening are going to be very interested. Yeah, um, I hope this has been good for your audience. I really thank you for giving me the space to come on and share, share all about fertility. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. And so people want to find Dr. Sweldo. She is in Fresno, California. If you want to find her in person, I will put her social contacts on, um, on the show notes. So if you want to find her on Instagram where she's doing lunch and learns and has so much valuable information out there. Uh, you'll be able to see that in the show notes. Thank too. you. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely be sure to send those over. Thanks. <laughs> Let's see if I can find, there we go. We're done. Thanks. Okay. Awesome. That was awesome. Thank you so